still got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans, for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever to talk about a defeat as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Tom, here we are again. How are you? Very good. Are we definitely recording this time, G? Because I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can talk about this one twice. <laughs> Well, we'll see how PG we keep it. And then uh, I may have to lose this one to the ether and we'll do a more family-friendly one tomorrow. Um, lose, lose, lose it to the ether and then just add an additional 25 minutes of silence <laughs> to uh, to the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. We've got, we've got the, the incompetent bug from watching Bath every week that the technology's gone down the drain. Mirroring the club, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, another tough one, Tom, on on Friday night, which of course we're going to go, come on to, but a fair bit of, of sport and rugby to, to delve into after that on, on the weekend. How, how was your weekend, mate? Loved it. Well, I spent most of it, most of it with you, um, uh, you know, watching rugby game after after rugby game and a couple of other sports thrown in as well. So yeah, it felt like a proper kind of winter weekend of, of, of sport. Nice for the first time in the season as well to be supporting a winning team with, with England doing a job on, on, on Tonga and obviously three, three Bath guys involved. So yeah, nice to see a victory for one of my, my teams. But as we all know, Premiership rugby is, 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 is where it's at. So overall disappointed with the, with the weekend having, having lost as, as, as was very predictable to, to top of the league Tigers, but all the same, very painful being kind of, you know, the arch rival in, in decades gone by. I do quite like the, the Friday evening games because, mm. you know, it kind of, you get it done, like you get all the, the, the rubbish done early on in the weekend and then you can kind of, you know, in, try to enjoy your Saturday without having to, to worry about the upcoming Bath game at three o'clock or if it's a Sunday, even worse, worrying all weekend about, you know, how we're going to blow it this week. So, so yeah, nice to get the defeat out of the way. I guess was was a positive from the weekend. Well, you talk you talk about positives, and you know we all we always look for positives on this on this podcast. So I was having I was having a route around to the archives, and as we know, this is now the seventh consecutive defeat uh, this season, and that that is a, that is a new a new record. We blasted the previous record, which was four out of the out of the water, and we're also one defeat from from fourteen of the last games, which is. Which makes for even even worse worse reading. Um, but I was looking on on the flip side, the most wins we've ever had in a row, and I, I believe the answer is is ten. So ten wins in a row, and I was trying to look back as to when that was, and I believe it was in the eighteen eighty five eighty six season, where get this, G, we played twenty games mainly against local sides, so West Country derbies galore, won seventeen, drew two, and only lost one. So. Those are the days. And if we've got any supporters who are that great that they remember those days, then 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 get in touch. But hopefully we can we can snatch snatch a victory in these next three premiership games so that we don't we don't we don't better that 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 ten wins, G. 
Tom, if we've got anyone from 1888, first, if we've got anyone that knows what a podcast is from 1888, but they're still kicking, then, then definitely get in touch. We'll, we'll have you on the podcast to talk about those that, that those 10 wins and, and that incredible season. But yeah, hugely frustrating uh, evening for Bath again. Yeah, I mean, they'd, they'd only be 100, 136 or something. So, um, you know, the, the stresses and strains that Bath put my my blood pressure and stress <laughs> levels through, um, I'll be I'll be surprised if I make 36 at this rate. But yeah, same same same, same as ever. Um, I don't think I don't think we learned anything new in, in in particular. G, it was you know it was it was the the same old issues as, as maybe we'll come on to to hit to hit briefly. Discipline in particular, I thought on on this occasion kind of trumped. The, the defence and set-piece issues, which have generally been the three things that, that we've struggled with. I mean, it was pleasing that we were we were able to stick fairly close to them for, for the majority of the games. But in all honesty, watching it back tonight, I don't think the Leicester Tigers played particularly well or were, were particularly accurate. So I think we were, we were probably lucky to stay within, within touching distance. And it never felt like we were actually going to get ahead and 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 win that game, and ultimately Leicester did pull away comfortably to to make it a you know twenty point or, or so scoreline. So yeah, n- nothing 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 new. And again, as there always are some kind of green shoots that we can we we can talk about, but but much of the same, and and, and very much as as we expected when we spoke last week. Mate, way to sell it. Way to sell the podcast. <laughs> much the same, but but definitely much the same issues. And, and we are going to talk about that Leicester game, Tom. Maybe try and identify a few of the things that particularly went wrong on Friday night and maybe one or two things that, that if possible, went well. And we are then going to focus maybe a little bit more this week on the upcoming, um, I guess, upcoming period off from the Premiership, the Bath, and what that may bring for, for the club, obviously, with this period of review. Mm. They are, they are going to undergo and have made so public with the appointment of Ed Griffiths, what we think the likely outcome of that will be and what we would do if we were kind of Ed Griffiths and in charge of that review. And then look ahead to, to the Premiership Cup fixture uh, and kind of against Gloucester and who in particular we'd like to see given a chance and star in those, um, in those games and, and kind of get your thoughts from, from social media at Bath Rugby Plug on Twitter um, where we've got um, loads of people in touch with us about about what they want to see from the Premiership Rugby Cup. So we'll get to all that, Tom. Before we do, please may I just ask you to subscribe to the podcast. Um, I think the plan from the next couple of weeks is maybe do a podcast as and when there is some some news or something to something kind of big to talk about, as opposed to, to sticking in our Monday or Tuesday night slots. So all you need to do is hit subscribe. Uh, on your podcast feed and we will deliver it straight to your device um, when I've kind of rediscovered it and sent it out to to you guys. And then please do share with a friend, as I always ask, this safe space for Bath fans needs to be made bigger to keep everyone sane during what is a pretty difficult time, Tom. And let's get into to, to the game. Um, the the 4017 defeat to uh, 40-23, sorry, 17-point defeat to, to Leicester. I think maybe it could be argued that, that this that this was a little bit better than, than previous weeks. I, I think I'll start there. Would, would you agree with that? Or do you think that, that, it, that, that it was still, still you know, on par with some of the, the recent really poor performances? Yeah, I think it was a bit better. 
I think there were clearly strategic elements of our game plan that worked quite well. And I, I think the main thing that I draw out, particularly in that first half, was use of the, the high ball and of, 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 of the kicking game. Um, so, you know, Freddie Burns at, at fullback, obviously, as, as, as we're all too aware, not a natural fullback, not his, not his preferred position. Um, and he was replaced, wasn't he, by a fellow I can't remember after about 20 minutes who really struggled, really struggled at, at, to deal with the high balls at the back. So I think that that tactic worked really well. And you have got, you know, Will Muir, Rory McConaughey storming up the, their respective wings. And we, we we managed to keep ourselves in in the fight in, in, in that first half in particular. And we managed to, to you know, keep, you know, manage to kind of gain territory and win territory by using that as a, as a weapon. So I think that's, that's, that's one thing that I think was clearly a plan and, and one thing that, that worked well. Do you want to say anything about that? Do you think, I guess it'd be interesting to think, do you actually think we won that battle there? I think that was clearly, you know, I don't know what goes on at Welford Road, but whenever we seem to go there, it seems almost impossible to gather a high ball. And then you see someone like Freddie Stewart playing and he seems to do it absolutely no problem. So it, so it doesn't seem to be anything wrong with the ground. And, and that was the excuse that, that I think was being made for the players. But I think it was just a lot of a lot of really poor technique and you know I think the one guy that, that really stood out from from both teams in that respect was was Orlando Bailey from from a Bath point of view mm-hmm. you know a guy playing inexplicably out of position but you know really shining and he did actually play a lot of, of rugby at 15 for England under 20s over mm-hmm. the summer you know that's where he did play his rugby I still think he's a fly half but he, he really was good under that high ball um, and I think you know, everyone else almost, you know, to to a fault struggled under the high ball. He was really good, but but I don't necessarily think we we won that battle. I think both teams made mistakes and and none more glaringly so than than than, than Danny Cipriani who dropped that ball in the lead up to um the one of the Leicester tries in, in the second half. So yeah, I think it was a key tactic from both teams that maybe did help us get in the game, but I'm not sure we necessarily benefited from from the struggles. I think I think there were, there were there were instances in that first half where, as you say, mainly through Leicester unforced errors, that we you know gained gained you know won the ball back and allowed us to kind of play in you know the right areas of the field. Um, yeah, I guess we weren't able to maintain that, and in the second half, probably the the kind of the advantage swung to to, to Leicester in that respect. But yeah, I, I completely agree on Orlando Bailey, and you know with. Tom de Glanville having been injured in, in, in the last game against Wasps, um, Anthony Watson obviously out as well, Rory McConaughey kind of coming back from, from injury. Good on him for, for stepping up out of position. And I thought it was real testament to his character and the way he's come on in that, I think it was the third minute of the game, Nandolo went straight through a, a Cipriani tackle, I guess would, no. would be the word. No, 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 It was very, yeah, not, no, no effort there doesn't to be honest look like he's physically at the races as, as we've said he went straight through Cipriani and had a, had, a, had a full run at Orlando Bailey who chopped him down at the knees dropped him kind of where where he stood um, and then there were multiple times like you said at the back where he was in position he kicked well I remember one instance when Leicester chipped ahead down the left wing mm-hmm. and he came across really well to, to his right 
hand side, took kind of a diving ball on the mark and then pumped it back down to the, to the halfway line. So yeah, like, like you say, he's played a little bit there or a fair bit there for England twenties, I believe, in the in, in the Six Nations, mm. um, which 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 we won. Um, and but but he looked he looked he looked very impressive and and I think continues to to improve improve game on game for a guy that let's kind of, is still an academy player and wow. and I think is 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 starting to 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 kind of take his opportunity now. Yeah, I, I can't actually really believe how quickly he's progressed and 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 I guess I'll, I'll I'll take the L on that because there was certainly a game earlier in the season when when I should have criticised him and, and and said he looked you know almost out of his depth uh, at fly half and and and. You know, that's not that long ago. It's probably four or five games ago. And to see how quickly he's come on since then, I think that Bristol game at Ashton Gate did absolute wonders for his confidence where, where he was simply superb on, on the night, particularly in the first half of that game. And and yeah, like it's funny, I was I was scrolling through the squad earlier as as I normally do on uh, on, on on regular occasions just to kind of just take stock of where I feel we're at. And and you just like you think, oh, I think I swear our squad's a little bit better than that, and then you think, oh yeah, because you know, Ajoma and Bailey, two of our best players this season, are still in the academy aspect of that squad. So, so we've spoken about Ajoma, but but the but the pace at which Bailey's, I think, matured as a rugby player, and now to be playing fifteen um, under that, and in, in a game like that, and playing so well, huge credit to Bailey. That that was certainly a positive to to take out on on Friday night. I thought he was fantastic again. Yeah, definitely. And, and whilst, whilst you mentioned it, I mean, you mentioned Max Joma, another guy in the, the the academy who has been, as I've said the last few weeks, I think probably our best player over the season as a whole. And he looked good again when he came off the bench for, for Max Clark. But this week, just, just as a little plug for him, so he was nominated for the RPA's October MVP which is a, a competition that they are they are running. Um, after which they're coming up with a kind of season fifteen or under twenty threes. Um, you know he's he's been nominated up with Nick Dolly, who was involved with England. Ben Earl, who again is under twenty three, but an established Premiership player. Jack Kenningham, Rafi Quirk, another England guy, and Tommy Freeman, who's a guy for at Saints who who's also been involved with England. So. Yeah, I think that that's that's just a bit of testament to how how well he's playing, and you can you can kind of you can vote for him um, kind of via the via the link on on the website. So I think it'll be nice for him to get some kind of get get some recognition, and he certainly deserves it because he's been he's been a shining light for for the whole season so far. I thought what was nice actually, Tom, on Friday night was. You know, we, we've spoken loads about those two guys in, in the backs, but it was really nice to see some academy prospects coming out mm-hmm. from the forwards. You know, yeah, uh, Ewan Richards making, I believe, what was his first Premiership start, um, and and Nayan Merrigan making what I believe was his first Premiership appearance off the bench in the number eight slot. Now, I thought Ewan Richards in in particular was was impressive uh, for for a young guy. He looks a, a, a pretty big physical prospect already. And what I was most impressed with was just the trust they showed him at line-out time. It seemed almost every time they had a line-out, he was the man up and then controlling them all, which followed. So, yeah, nice to see some guys. I think, you know, we've, we've credited the academy with, with some, you know, some nice players and some, some influential players, but, but they've all so far been in the backs. And I, and I guess that is down to maybe the, the physical development that needs to happen for, for academy forwards. 
but to see two young academy forwards and also Tom Cowan come off the off the bench, you know that that's hugely that's that's hugely exciting and 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 especially looking towards the Premiership Rugby Cup and uh, and kind of what's going to be almost a, a lost season at this point. Tom, maybe we've been a little bit too. Well, can, I, can I just say on that as well? I mean, you know, the club have have made a real big thing about being half homegrown by twenty twenty three, and they've now already hit that that target. I think 11 out of the 23 players that were fielded against Leicester were homegrown. So, you know, we, 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 we can criticize the club and we have done about lots of different things, but that element of things seems to be working as well as it has, has for the last few years. And you look at guys like Miles Reed, who's been outstanding over the last couple of seasons yeah. and a little bit ahead of, of, of those guys. And, You've, you know, you've got to credit the club and, and the coaches and, and, and those players for that. And, you know, at the start of the podcast, and we've been like a broken record now for the last few weeks because these defeats have, have kind of seemed a bit inevitable. And although, you know, the Premiership Rugby Cup's clearly an inferior competition, I think almost the nice thing for Bath fans now is that we can kind of ignore the league implications and we can ignore the run of form we've had and we can focus on these guys who we're going to have to see more because of injury, because of the lack of an academy competition. We're going to, have, we're going to see these guys more. And it's exciting to, to, to see what they can do. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably young guys is certainly the, the kind of the theme of any positives we've been able to take from this season. And I think the, next, you know, the, the, the Premier Rugby Cup on Friday is, is hopefully going to illustrate that, that there, is, there is still potential. Mm. Josh Bayliss as well, Tom, another guy, of course, making his Scotland debut on Sunday uh, in the win against Australia, which was absolutely fantastic for, for Bayless. Got 15 a key years. turnover at more time from him. A key, yeah. a key strip at more time. Nice to see him. Nice to see him on the right side of a victory. He's, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a hard worker and deserves that, that, that appearance and, and that victory, Josh Bayless. Tom, too positive for me so far after the seventh consecutive defeat. Let's 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 turn it into in, into <laughs> let's turn it more negative and, and really get into 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 where it got wrong and where it went wrong. Maybe you could pick out an element of the game which which you felt that, that really let Bath down on Friday night. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Going into the game, we were you know clearly rightly right to be concerned about the threats of, of George Ford at pulling strings at number ten, Namani Nadola out wide, who's been prolific in prolific kind of try scoring form so far. This 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 season, um, but actually we you know we we dealt with them kind of better than better than I was I was expecting and and they were to a large degree nullified at, at least compared to you know previous Leicester Tiger games. However, as we as we kind of showed in in the Saracens bloodbath at, at, at the wreck, teams can kind of score in any which way they they want against Bath at the moment. And in this case, it was the other thing that that we mentioned. For, for Leicester as a key weapon, which was the the driving mall. And it's clearly a very, very well-oiled machine. You know, Nick Dolly scoring tries for fun. I think he's second kind of try scorer in the league at Hooker. Steve Borthwick, another ex-Bath guy, has got that going very, very well. But from our perspective, we're playing to their hands. The number of easy penalties that we gave away that allowed Leicester to kick to the corner and to play that kind of, you know, short line out, more, uh, ball and, and just get into that nice formation to, to, to score tries and to put us under pressure. We gave away 17 penalties, 12 of them, 12 of them, that, gee, that's, it's not a lot, it's not a lot more than our season average. I think the season average is about 15 and a half. But 
but 12 of them were in oh, the, 12 of them were in the Leicester, 12 of them were in our own half, sorry. And we, and, and Leicester as a result had 22 lineouts yeah. in, in the game, which when you think ball in play time is, you know, 50 minutes, 52 minutes or something in, in the overall game, that's, that, that's ridiculous. And you, and you talk about, you talk about playing into a team's hands and they would have spoken about the lineout. They would have spoken about trying to be sensible and manage the game. And, you know, <laughs> well, it, wow. yeah. Well, well exactly. and, and just, you know, you know, we did play into their hands as, as you've just identified, Tom, 22 lineouts, but I just don't understand what we're doing at defensive lineouts. We like half compete. It's so frustrating because, you know, the two tactics at defensive lineout time is so simple. You either stick a man up and you try and win the ball in the air, which obviously depowers your, your mall if they do win the, the ball. Or you bring everyone to the ground, you make sure they're in a strong position. So as soon as the, the attacking player hits the ground, you're in the best position to get that early shove on to try and depower wow. the ball. But what yeah. Bath do, I just cannot understand this, but what Bath do is they kind of couple of them like without really having a lift behind them, jump up and like, so they're not in a position to defend the mall, but they're also not high enough to defend the throw in. And it just, I just can't understand what they're doing. It seemed to happen almost every time we, we, we had a defensive line out. And that's just criminal to me. Like, you know, I rather than, as I've always said, rather than put a man up and try and compete in the air, because I don't think our more defence is good enough. But if we're not going to do that, then make sure no one's kind of jumping half up. And, and, and yeah, that again play, played into Leicester's hands. You know, that we, we, we often see that, but it seemed like we're doing it so often on Friday night. It was well, I think good. the solution is probably to go back to our lineup tactics from, from one game last season. I think it was against Worcester. Go get Rory McConaughey up there, I think. Get him, get him, get him thrown up there and he'll, he'll, the he'll sort it out. But, but yeah, you're right. And I think when a team is that slick and when they're because the, the the whole thing like you say about about staying down is you either you either try and put pressure on the drive but the other thing you can do is before the latches kind of get bound you can kind of sack the jumper straight away and with, without giving away that that, that right. penalty but anyway without without wanting to get into technicalities we against against a team like that 100% you need to be you need to be sticking guys up you need to be you need to be taking the risk at the start of that period of play rather than rather than backing yourselves to to, to hold them off in, in the drive. Yeah, I, I think sacking a, a, a line out or a more takes takes a hell of a lot of organisation and, and pretty good coaching. So so I don't hold your hopes out for that. But it's not difficult to tell them to to not half compete. Yeah. Really, really frustrating, um, really frustrating element of the game, Tom. Um, you know, I, I thought it was also the story of the game for me was was kind of the way that every time we got within touching distance, you know, it was, you know, 10 or 13, 10, then 20, 13, and then 27, you know, 20. Kind of, we always got close and then they scored next. And that was really, really disappointing. And I just think we, we, we way too often just gifted them easy ways back into the game when we drawn it close. You know, there was a couple of occasions. So, so the, the one that really stands out to me is, as we go 13-10 down, we kick off, they gather it. Tom Ellis gives away one of the most brainless penalties I've ever seen, you know, in, in professional rugby, you know, in at the side, playing the scrum half, off his feet, you know, about four different things wrong with that. He, you know, he could have 
given four penalties, the referee, on, on that occasion. They kick to the line out. Next phase, they score. And it's literally in, in, t- in two minutes, that's just a 10-point swing, which allowed Leicester to, to constantly just be ahead of us. And then it was 2013, I think, at half time. And you think, OK, a quick start, get this restart right, score next. We give away a penalty from the restart and they get, you know, 20, I think they make it 23-10 or whatever it was. And just those little errors, those little errors which compounded previous errors just meant that Leicester were always kind of just out of reach and, and that gave that, you know, and, and, and obviously the league position, but that gave that air of inevitability about the result. We just couldn't quite hang on due to, due to individual errors. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, in a lot of these games, it's not necessarily how many penalties you give away or how you give them away. It's it's when and where. And for us, game management is... It, we look like a team that has lost six or seven, you know, six games right to this on the bounce because there are individual guys who are trying to make an impact. They're trying to be heroes as it were to try and try and get a catalyst going to turn 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 it around in some way shape or form but at times when you do that you you know you you look desperate and you you fail to execute and you fail to react on a consistent basis and I think on on the other side of of the coin sorry on the other side of the coin to what you're saying when we scored a try and we had good moments we were so quick to let Leicester respond with points Mm. I mean you know the 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 nice the, the really nice try by Max Clark when Cipriano gave that, that nice ball to Dunn and Dunn offloaded it to Fox, who, who then gave it to Clark. Nice move, nice kind of first phase um, hands. And that, that's exactly the sort of thing we want to be seeing. Simple rugby, but very, very effective. However, from that try, Rocco de Guni gets taken out and touched from the kickoff. We then get a, a, a free kick given against us from the line out for, for you know, not giving space in, in, in the middle. And then Muir gets done for the deliberate knock-on yellow card. And from that yellow card penalty, we concede the, the mall try. And it's just, it's, just, it's just managing those moments a little bit better. And, and again, it, we're desperate. We're, we're clinging on to everything we can get. And, and at times, we, we, we show good heart. And, and I think it was an improvement. But it's, it's, it's nowhere near enough to, to, to beat these sides. And that's evidenced by the fact that teams... Teams pulling away from us, Tom, as you say at the end of games and teams starting to pull away from us in the league as well. Seven games in and we're nine points off Worcester. Worcester, who are, every time I seem to watch them, getting pumped and are terrible. So to be nine points off them is, is quite an extraordinary effort from Bath and, and kind of begs the question, obviously no relegation this season, but imagine if there was. We'd be uh, really starting to worry, mate. Can you imagine? I mean, there would be... I think fairly severe panic setting in uh, at, at, at this stage. I think amongst amongst clubs and, and uh, amongst fans. Sorry, and I. Yeah, I think we'll come and talk about the re- this this review as it's as it's been called. Now we've we've got this through it break, but I think I get the impression that you know more drastic, shorter term measures would have been taken by now. Whether or not that that kind of short termism would have would have been you know. Would would have been a good thing in in the long run. I'm I'm not sure, but yeah, I think you know the the danger of having you know no relegation, having ring ring fencing, is that the league there's no jeopardy in the league, so it, it no longer becomes self regulating. So as I said a couple of times earlier in in the season, you could as Worcester did last season, 
see that Bath, you know, Bath could, for example, come out and say, we're kind of putting this season to bed. We're taking this season to, to restart, to get our coaching sorted, to get our, our squad sorted, to get players back from injury. And we're looking kind of longer term. Now, they wouldn't normally be able to say that in a, in a relegation league. Um, but I think, you know, I, I can fully see that being, you know, the outcome or at least that being hidden to that as part of, as part of this review. But yeah, I mean, I mean, back to your point, it, it will be disastrous for a club like Bath to, to be relegated. You, you can see how quickly funding can, 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 can go from a club and, and it can become very difficult to, to, to stay, to stay above water. So very, very glad for ring fencing in, in, in this particular, in, the, in this particular case, mate. Mm. What, what I'll say, Tom, is that, you know, I've just been to four Bath games in a row before to the Leicester game, just bought tickets for the Boxing Day game and tickets Ooh. to the La Rochelle away game, which we'll which come on to discuss some details for that later on in the podcast. But if Bath come out with any sort of statement which suggests that, 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 that they're putting this season behind them, I won't be going again this year. And Bath fans should, should act with their feet in that way. That would be, frankly unacceptable and, and people would have every right to ask for season tickets back not go to games I, you know if that does happen I would be absolutely seething I'll be seething well, that's not they, they, can, they can they'll, they'll, they won't come out and say that but they could word it more vaguely and say we're focusing on the positives we've seen with young players we're building the squad to be more homegrown we're looking at bolstering out the squad for next season whilst trying to you know push out a couple of places in, 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 in the table or you know make top six if, if that even is mathematically possible anymore um, I'll be monitoring that closely because that, that would be I'll be furious if that if anything like that if, if ever came out if they don't pick their strongest team in, in the premiership because of you know looking to next season then then Bath fans got every right to, to not go and ask for money back but, but, but I also think to your, to your point about, about Worcester being a fair bit ahead of us now I mean you know Worcester on 11 points with two wins we're stuck at the bottom with with on, on three points, just those three losing bonus points that we that we love on this podcast, oh, um, and and then Exeter with only four wins and nineteen points, so only eight points clear of Worcester in eleventh. Exeter sit in fourth. So as usual, the Premiership is very very congested. We normally find ourselves in the middle of that of that yeah. of that traffic jam. But I think the other way you can read that is that, and I think we've seen this in some of the upsets that we've seen this season. The league is so competitive. And close this year, it does genuinely seem, with the exception of Leicester, that anyone can be anyone. Broadly speaking, I mean, Leicester Exeter have lost the last three games at Sunday Park, which is which is you know, if you looked at the last couple of seasons, you'd, you'd never thought that could happen in, in in the Premiership. So it does it does seem closer, apart from us who yeah. are just who are just who are just lagging behind. And the league, the league, the league, the league is not going to get any easier. There don't seem to be any any particularly easy games from a Bath perspective, with the possible exception of, of Worcester. Yeah, I, I guess you know Premiership rugby have got what they always dreamed of, which was a twelve-team competition, which anyone could beat anyone. But <laughs> little did they realise it would come in the in the season when they had thirteen teams. And a whip, and a whipping boy. Just, yeah, we're just a whipping boy. Yeah, yeah, pretty tough stuff. Pretty tough stuff, Tom. One hundred and seventy points conceded in in the last four games watching those games twice so that's 340 points we've seen them concede but with the <laughs> for the podcast yeah um doesn't look good on on bath and i'm sure this review that um ed griffiths will now undertake 
won't reflect kindly on on a lot of areas at the club for sure. Very interesting. We saw Ed Griffiths. I don't know, Tom, if you saw it at the end of the game, but but when BT Sport were doing their post match coverage, they found him in the crowd and, and kind of you know a bit strange to kind of actually see him there in the flesh. And and I, I think he really is going to have a, a an influence on on. On, on the club, Tom. So I think I'll start with, with, with this question for you about the, the upcoming um, review. Just to be clear, for anyone that doesn't know, in the open letters supporters from, from Tarko and McDonald, they stressed that they would take this period from the end of round eight until round nine, which doesn't, of the Premiership, which doesn't start until the 26th of November, to review and analyse why it has been so badly wrong this season. They brought in the external consultant, Ed Griffiths, who'd previously been at Saracens in South Africa. Tom, what would you do if you were Ed Griffiths, firstly? Um, not what you think he will do, but what would you do and what changes would you make coming out of this three weeks? Well, two things, I think. So the first, the first thing I would look at and I would try and get to the bottom of is who does what, because because as fans, we we don't we don't know we we you know have an indication. But I'd work out who does what in terms of coaching, in terms of uh, team selection, in terms of management of the the squad more broadly. And then I would see if those people are suited to doing those jobs, qualified to do those jobs, and if there are any gaps. So the the glaring gap that 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 we've spoken about so many times is defence, and that's. You can you can see that on the club website. You know every other club has a defence coach, and that's brought out by the statistics. You know um, top tries conceded, second top penalties conceded, most points conceded. I think as well in in the league so far, it's so clear, it's so obvious that it's not being done by someone specifically, or it's not being done well enough by whoever is um, is meant to be doing it. So that that that's the first thing for me. But then I think there's probably other things that would 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 fall out of that. So where are the main areas that that we're struggling in? So set piece is is a big one. So Mark Lilly coaching the scrum, Luke Charter is doing the lineup. What's going wrong there? Are those guys who are both quite an experienced coach, particularly Charteris, are those guys qualified? Are those guys supported well enough by analysts, etc.? Are those guys actually looking at the right the right kind of things? And then looking right at the top of the, the rugby department, Stuart Hooper, he still selects the team, which is, I think, strange or, or potentially strange for a guy that's not involved in, in coaching. He, he still is involved in, in managing the squad and, um, you know, re-signings and um, retention, which is a, a, another issue that, that we've had with quite a high turnover of players over the last few seasons. What have been the main issues that, that he's been facing should he continue be, to be picking the team or should that be a, um, a head coach job and just defining that role a bit more clearly so that it's clear for, for everyone in the in the club but also he is then fully accountable for for, for, for what then happens so yeah that, that's probably how I would approach it if I was if, if, if it was a Griffiths and then so having having obviously done that review and get, gone to the bottom of all that information I guess, you know, having not done it, you, you don't necessarily know. But what do you think the actions you would take, you know, from your knowledge currently of, of the squad, of the of the coaching makeup, what, what actions would you take off the back of that? Yeah, so it's, it's, for me, looking at it, it is, from an outside perspective, it would be add experienced coaching, credible coaching to that setup. So I think that is defence. 
whether there's also um, a guy that needs to come in to look more closely at, at set piece. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think I think defence to me strikes it as the main one. Obviously, you're then going to have Neil Hatley probably moving his focus because he's, he's it looks like he's kind of currently currently deals with that. I get the sense that the the potent, probably the result of the consultation or of the review, sorry, that Griffiths does. I think at this stage in the season, mid season, we're probably only likely to see additions yeah. to the rugby department rather than any departures mid season. I'll be very surprised if there are changes, if there are coaches who leave mid season. I'll be even more surprised, as I've said, if Stuart Hooper or even McDonald, who sits above him, if they leave at this point in the season, it just doesn't seem the like, like, like the bath kind of bath way of, of doing things. And all the noises we've seen, albeit from from Tarquin McDonald, haven't really pointed to to that kind of knee jerk reaction. So I, I expect and hope to see some kind of coaching come in. Um, but what, what I'd also like to see is kind of uh, not not a roadmap, but but some kind of plan for how we measure success as supporters for the rest of the season. So I mentioned that this season could slip by and they could um, give some kind of, you know, airy-fairy wording about, you know, X, Y, Z, young players, building for the future, homegrown talent, et cetera, which would actually be disguised as we're, you know, we're putting the season to bed, really. I'd really like to have some kind of clarification from the club as to what they are aiming for and what Hooper and Co should be benchmarked against come the end of the season. So um, yeah, they're, they're they're probably the, the two things that I'd, I'd I'd like to 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 come out clearly from from the club on this. Yeah, I think you've summed up perfectly. That I think the only way that there would be maybe sort of a, a knee jerk reaction is if there was a decision made the personnel above Hooper, and clearly that would be. Tarkin McDonald's role, um, you know, Rob Jones on Twitter gets with, gets in touch with us, say if it's done properly, CEO goes or is removed, search for a new day without Tarquin's input. Now, if obviously Bruce Craig would have to make that decision as the owner, if he comes in and makes that decision, then then obviously that new CEO may feel the need to to make a um, a short term or, or, or an immediate decision on the director of rugby. And, and yeah, I, I can see that being maybe the only way that, that Hooper actually, I guess, loses any sort of is, is, is released from the club as a whole. I, I can all, I can potentially see them moving roles for Hooper and making it, you know, maybe more of a recruitment position and then bringing someone in as a director of rugby who has more of an influence on, on the actual play on the field. And I think that's, you know, where, what the, the, the setup that the most clubs do, and, and that would be a way of adding someone, maybe someone who, who whose main input can be defence, but also as the director of rugby. Um, but clearly, you know, in October or November or whatever, it's extremely difficult to find the right guy, given the majority of people that, that would be the appropriate candidates will will be in contract with other guys. I did just search for for, for Warren Gatlin's name, Tom, to see what he was up to, but he has taken a a role with the, the Waikato Chiefs in, in New Zealand. So, so he's off the market and, and, and like with all the people that, that I guess would be appropriate candidates, it's going to be very difficult to find someone. Um, and, and therefore, you know, I don't think they, they will move on from Hooper, but, but I think if they do, I really don't think he can have too many complaints. You know, you, you look at the decisions that, that, that are down to him um, and I think he's got on them you know, to an extent, right in, in his first sort of 18 months, two years at Bath. 
But I think over the last 18 months, he's made some, some key decisions which are clearly his remit and he's got them wrong. Um, and I think firstly, the, the, the coaching setup is clearly wrong. There's, no, there's not enough experience. You know, these guys that, that, that we've brought through to, to take massive roles in the coaching setup. So I'm thinking Charteris, Davis, Lilly, um, they're guys that have come through kind of the coaching tree at Bath. They're not paying off and, and not having enough experience around Hatley is a, a massive issue coupled with, with, with the lack of defence coach. You know, I think also some of the recruitment and retention, which is clearly Hooper's remit, has not worked over the past 18 months. Losing Zach Mercer was, was, was you know, inexcusable, really. And the signings this season ha- have just not worked. Um, and I think just some of the little decisions that, that, that Hooper's also made have kind of culminated in, in what we're seeing of seven defeats in a row. And I think the one that just really frustrated me last season and, and kind of, I, I think I joked that it was a sackable offence last year, but the, continue, the continued selection of Chudley at scrum half or on the bench at scrum half behind Ben Spencer when it was already made clear that he wasn't going to be at Bath next season and not allowing the progression of Fox or Green, you know, we're now seeing the effect of that with, with the injury to Spencer um, and, and, the, and, and the lack of quality that we're seeing from the scrum half position. So, so, you know, with all that in mind, Tom, whilst I'm not sure Hooper will go, I think if he does, some of the decisions that he's made have been wrong and I think he can have no complaints. Yeah, I think to quickly pick up on, on, a, on a couple of your, your, your points there. So I can definitely see uh, a reshuffling of the, the roles internally, whether or not we are really aware of it, if there's an appointment and, and Hooper's, and Hooper, uh, if there's a coaching appointment and Hooper's role changes slightly, Hatley's role changes slightly, uh, I don't know. But I think... To take the two things you said, take the two main things you said about Hooper, recruitment and retention, I think has there's, there's been a few examples. I think the Chudley one's a good one. Zach Mercer one is, is obviously the, the kind of most high profile one. Cipriani as well, although obviously that's still relatively early days. But I think generally speaking, since he's come in, recruitment has been a positive for, for him. There was a, a quite a big clear out of older players who were probably overpaid and to be honest, past their, past their prime. And he had, at least early on in his tenure, he brought in some, some, some exciting players who are now kind of the cornerstone of the team. So thinking Will Stewart, um, Lewis Boyce, um, Josh McNally, we're um, uh, <laughs> laughing at Lewis, but I was just going through the position. Through the props. Straight um, Love it. <laughs> um, you know I'm a Lewis Boyce fan. Rory McConaughey, Will and, Muir. Uh, uh, Cameron Redpath, Ben Spencer, obviously Will Spencer as well in there, in in there as well. Guys have come through the the academy and are now senior players. Miles Reed, Gabe Hammer Webb, etc. Josh Bayliss. So I think he, whilst he doesn't get all the credit for that, I think generally speaking, bringing players through and developing the squads and recruitment has been has been has has been positive for him. But I think, not 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 in the last season. No, I think the, the 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 recruitment this this season has you know so far. I mean, as, as I say, we're only seven games in, but Cipriani being kind of the the main guy there hasn't 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 worked. You know, Tian Schumann, who is another guy that he brought in, we simply haven't seen enough of him because he only played what three or four games before before getting that 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 injury. Um, who else was I? 
was I was I going to mention? Da, 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 da. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. Anyway, the um, but but I think picking the sides a really good point, and the, the Chudley thing that you mentioned, which I know really frustrates you now that Ollie Fox has started like seven games and, and is and is responsible. Yeah, yeah, I know. But and I think that that's where the roles are a bit convoluted. And I remember being on that. You know, we, I'm conscious time time's ticking, but we 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 were on that that Bath supporters conference. And it was a bit of a surprise for both of us that Stuart Hooper is responsible for picking the team, despite not being a coach, not being out on the, the field, actually watching the guys play and, and interact with each other. So that, that seemed a strange one. So whether or not that responsibility moves over to Hatley, if we if we have more coaching come in and there's there's less on his plate, I, I, I don't know. But I, I think some kind of clarification of 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 who does what and accountability for, for who does what will be important because it seems like a little bit of a convoluted system and structure compared to other clubs. Mm. Yeah, conscious time, don't, don't want to labour that chubby point. And I know we've done it loads. And, and, and as, as I think I said at the start of the podcast, Tom, you know, we won't be back regularly, I think, over the next three weeks. I think we're going to hold off um, and wait to see when and if you know, a big piece of news drops, either be that on or, or off the field. So as I say, hit subscribe and that'll be delivered straight to your device. Sorry, G, just 30, 30 more seconds for me on this. Mm. I, I um, a couple more things I had jotted down. So I, you were thinking about Warren Gatland. I was thinking about defence coaches and I I was having a little dig around as to, to what Scott Mitchell is is doing. Now he he left Eddie Jones' England um, and he was snaffled up very quick, quickly by Wasps. And this is what, what what Lee Blackett said. And don't you just wish that this was the kind of noises that, that came out of, of Hooper when we were in dire need of, of someone to, to do to do a defence role? He said, once we knew John was available, we prioritised getting him back to Wasps. He was there about 20 years ago. Finding someone of, of John's calibre at both international and is rare. He fits the profile we've looking for, added to our talented group of coaches. And you, and you just think we've got all the resources. We're a massive draw of a club. Just get these kind of high high quality guys in when when they when they become available but yeah he's another guy that that seems to seems to already already have an, another role um and talking of of, of guys course, talking that, about, was july, that was 23rd of july 2021 so that's this summer yeah why don't we get in that would have been perfect i know i know we, we honestly don't think we'd bottom of the league if we would got if we'd done just a simple thing like that infuriating absolutely infuriating Tom um, and, and when I turn to Twitter and try and segue this this on um, Ben Bruce Smith got in touch with us you know with a pretty cynical view of, of the review says honestly not sure what to expect from Ed Griffith's review the worry is that nothing happens at all or nothing happens until next season just looking forward to European away days now to be honest um, and that goes probably the same for us Tom this weekend we we took the opportunity to book our trip to La Rochelle um, for the game Bath v La Rochelle in January, second weekend of January. Um, so all I'll say at this point, I guess, is just to mark your card on that. If you are also going, you get in touch with us on Twitter. Um, more details to follow, but yeah, we will try and formalise some sort of um, meetup or, or whatever in La Rochelle for, for, for Bath Rugby Plug supporters making that trip so so watch, watch this space and just keep an ear out on the podcast and let us know what your plans are but but really yeah. put your flights put your flights mm, put your flights yeah 
Looking forward to it, mate. Well, well the flight's about, about, about 45 quid from, from London and tickets around about 25. So, I mean... Yeah, tickets you know, are available to book for, for in the Bath supporters areas. So, so yeah. get on to that. Get on to it now um, and let us so know. Flights and flights and uh, flights to La Rochelle and uh, or to Nantes and um, and tickets about the same as a as a Premiership um, you know highest tier ticket at the Rec. So I mean, when you put it in 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 in, in that context, it's well worth the trip. I think mm. plenty of money, plenty of money for beer money in in La Rochelle, which yeah we'll probably need after after watching the game. <laughs> not, not a heavy defeat. <laughs> incoming um tom i think you've done um a bit of work today um be that on a monday maybe not the the work that your employees were were looking for but you got i got a few interesting texts from you today about two three o'clock just to see kind of what i knew about some of the availability of some of the more fringe bath players so so why don't you talk us through that I was on a late lunch, G. I was on a late lunch and um i'm thinking ahead to to the podcast as i always do on a monday um well, I was just thinking ahead to the the, the the Premiership Rugby Cup game against against Gloucester on on Friday night. So obviously, obviously that that kicks off. We will have just maybe to give a brief indication of the, the the tournament structure. G. So we'll have four games. Um, I think it's Gloucester, Bristol, Exeter, and uh, I can't remember who the other one is. I think it might be Newcastle. I think. Um, but anyway, I mean, the, the, there are three pools. The 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 top. Uh, the, the winners from each pool um, then then go through to semi-finals as well as the best runner-up, and then there's the the, the semi-finals and, and, and finals. Um, and without a kind of Bath United league this this year, kind of the the Bath A the, the A league this year, I think most teams are probably seeing this as, as very much kind of a as an academy competition. Um, and you know, it is a much needed break for, for Bath, and I, I think we. We really need it as an opportunity to rest some of the the key guys that have played a lot of rugby so far, given the injuries, given the international call-ups, and to be honest, given the sheer intensity of the games after this three-week break, G, it's very, very intense. So we have 15 games over the next 15 weekends in either the Premiership or the Champions Cup after from Exeter onwards. So very, very intense. And on a couple of occasions... In it within those weekends, we have midweek Premiership Rugby Cup games. So, seventeen games in fifteen weeks after this this three weeks break is is pretty brutal. And as a result, yeah, I was I was I was looking to to looking at the squad and looking at availability and and trying to kind of pull together a team for for the game against Gloucester. Um, and I think yeah, definitely some kind of new new names and faces. I think we will see for 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 many of our rugby fans on Friday. Well, why, why don't you talk us through the the spreadsheet, the the, the colour coded spreadsheet that I know I know you've got in front of you, and maybe talk us through some of the names that that the Bath fans can 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 look forward to to, to marking their cards on when they when they turn the tellies on. Yeah, sure. So I think so. Of, of a senior squad of, of forty two, it looks like we've got seventeen unavailable, so about forty percent unavailable at the moment. So clearly, the academy is going to going to be used fairly heavily there are 18 players currently listed in the the senior academy so not enough for the for the full team so i think from from a, a selection point of view it's about balancing guys who haven't played as much rugby who probably and or, and or who aren't playing um as well as, as as we'd like 
as well as bringing in some kind of young guys from the academy. So just just to run through the kind of the, the team that, that I put together, G. So um, uh, a pack, a front row of Arthur Cordwell, John Stewart, who is a, um, a young academy hooker who, who moved over from from back row, um, and I think he's a, he's an England um, under eighteen guy. Um, Kieran Verdon, who was was involved off the bench last season, uh, last game, sorry, um, but, but hasn't played much rugby. And second row, I've gone Ewan Richards, another academy guy that we saw play. And I've, I've, I've put Tom Ellis in the second row. Um, I'd like to see him get some more game time there. I think that's his best position as an opportunity maybe for him to take a bit more of a, of a leadership role in, 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 in the team. And then I've gone with the back row of Ethan Stadden, who we've seen on the bench for, for Bath in the Premiership already. I've gone Jakob Kutsia for number eight. Again, a guy that I think needs a bit more game time and to get his fitness levels up, assuming he is he is back from his his HIA break. And then I've gone now Merrigan uh, at uh, flanker, or I know it's not his, his main position. So potentially Tom Cowan could 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 play there um, if if he if he's better suited. But but one of those two guys. Then in the the back line, I've got Max Green scrum half. I think you know we we need to see more, we need to see more of him, and he needs to be given given game time because I you know I'm. I, I, I think it, I think the contest. I don't think there's a first and second choice between Fox and Green yet. Um, so I'd like I'd like to see him be given results there. Then I put Danny Cipriani at ten, um, which again I think he just needs to get out there, earn his money, and get into some form and fitness. Max Wright at twelve, who I'd love to see back in a, in a Bath shirt. Um, I believe he's available. Is he G? He's uh, he's on loan in Newcastle. He's on loan. Oh, of course he is. Yeah, sorry, mate. Okay, so no, no, Max, Max, right? But I'm prepared for this. I'm going to go Kieran Donoghue, who is a 19 year old guy who's just signed a couple of months ago a two year uh, senior academy contract, and he can play at, at 12 or 15. So he, he looks quite a quite quite a good player. Um, and then Thank Will Butt in live, in live action. I absolutely love to see it. <laughs> I've got I've got lot, all sorts of permutations going on um, and then Will Butt who's a guy that we mentioned a couple of times that we haven't seen and then a back row of Gabe Hammerweb Darren Atkins on the wing and then George Warboys at, at 15 who's been involved with the academy a couple of you know for a for, for a couple of years now I think he's similar similar intake to to, to, to Max what do you think of that? Yeah, yeah no I mean I'd be I think I'd probably be surprised if it was as as inexperienced as that, you know, with, without having too much of a, a look at who else would, would be available. I mean, one guy that that springs to mind, you know, I don't know if you know more about his availability, would be Tom Dowerty, the uh, hooker that we saw a bit. He's out. he's out injured. Oh, he's out injured. Is he cool? So yeah, I'll, I'll cross that one off. But no, mate, yeah. good good piece. Well, yeah, you know, there's some really interesting interesting names there. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be tempted myself to to give War Boys a go at fly half, just because I think I'm more out on the the, the Danny Cipriani experience um, experience than than you are. But yeah, you know, that back that back three, Darren Atkins, a guy that I've certainly got a soft spot for, um, and, and Gabe Hamer Webb, a guy who I don't think we we've seen nearly enough of recently. You know, it'd be fascinating to see see how those guys how those guys go and. Yeah, a young pack, and obviously the result would be hugely dependent on on what Gloucester do and what Gloucester are looking to get out of the competition. But I imagine it'd be it would be very very similar. And you know, a win, Tom, 
whilst it is the Premiership Rugby Cup, I think would be huge, you know, would be would be really important just to kind of get the monkey off the back for this season. And, you know, with that in mind, I, I can see it being maybe a, a slightly more experienced side. You know, Ioannis Jonker, for example, a tight head prop. We haven't seen barely any of him. So maybe an opportunity to, to, to get him some, some game time and, and maybe, you know, put some more experience into, into that team. But yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting team selection and, and I think you won't be too far off with that. And, and there'll be some names there, certainly, that, 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 that the majority of Bath fans will, will never have heard of. So, so that's one reason to, to tune into Bath, I guess. Yeah, I think if, if they do do kind of deem to go a bit, you know, decide to go a bit more ex- experienced in the starting 15, I think we are likely to see quite a green um, bench mm. in, in terms of experience. So just, just to chuck a, a few more names um, a few more names that you potentially are and, and, and listeners you, you can look out for. So Josh Dingley is um, a, a second row slash back row who, who signed from Marlborough School. Um, he looks he looks very very good. Saw some um, some 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 a quick YouTube clip of him and, and albeit at lower level he looks he looks a, a very good athlete. Um, Tom Carr Smith is the young scrum half. He came from from Sherburn School. Um, and then Gabe Goss, who is out on the wing and, and can play play fullback as well, I believe. So some 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 guys in the back division there, um, and then up front, a guy that I'm I'm excited to 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 see in action at prop is Archie Griffin, um, who get this G at 20 years old, is six foot three and 120 124 kilograms. So in old money, I think that's 19 stone seven. Um, so a very very big boy, um, and yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely like to see like to see him him given a run up to to, to 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 show us what he can do. So yeah, some some exciting exciting to have fresh blood and new names coming through, and um, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll I'll be tuning in to see those guys get get a first run out in in many cases, get some experience, um, and regardless of the result. Um, you know, I, I, I think, as you say, it would be it would be nice just from an overall club perspective to get a win and to take a win back to Farley House. Um, but ultimately, like you said, we're very much to, you know dictated as to the team that that, that Gloucester decide decide to pick. Mate, I tell you, we do have it. We do have a USP. There's a lot of rugby podcasts out there, and I'm sure listeners, you know, maybe listen to to a few others, particularly around the around the. There are others. Yeah, around the international break. Um, but no one, no rugby podcast, I can guarantee, goes into that much detail about your favourite club. The height and weight measurements of a 20-year-old pop who we've never seen. Brilliant stuff, mate. That is, you know, time well spent this afternoon. And, and yeah, hopefully some of those names start off uh, an illustrious Bath career on, on Friday night. Tom, thank you so much for, for joining me. Um, yeah, I think that's turned out to be to be quite a long one. So um, hopefully that gives you, you a bit of your fix for, for the next week, t- 10 days, two weeks, whatever it is, until as we say, you know, we feel that there is some some, some real stuff for us to, to come back and discuss on this podcast. As I say, subscribe to the podcast, follow us on social media at Bath Rugby Plug, get in touch with us with your Larachelle plans and stick behind the boys through thick and thin.